Hello, welcome. Welcome to today's webinar and podcast. I'm Valerie Bowling, the Executive Director of the Conference Forum. So I've been covering the medicine development industry for 20 years now, and over 20 years now, actually. And as long as I've covered the industry, I've noticed that the top challenge in clinical trial operations remains patient recruitment and engagement. So I thought it was really fitting to dedicate a podcast webinar to just that topic. And so it is my pleasure to invite uh, to this program, uh, Joan Backenheimer and Bonnie Brescia, who are the founders of BBK Worldwide, to join me to discuss uh, the evolution of patient recruitment engagement, the changing needs of clinical trials, and where um, the needs of R&D are going. What does that future look like? So Joan and Bonnie founded BBK 40 years ago now, so I wanna congratulate them on their 40th anniversary. And the company is arguably the most uh, established firm specializing in patient recruitment and engagement in clinical trials. So with that, um, Joan and Bonnie, welcome and congratulations on the 40th anniversary of BBK. Thank you. Thanks, Valerie. All right. So if you can talk about your decision to form BBK and what was the market need at the time and, and what factors influenced your decision? Um, I think that you're really looking at the evolution of the women's movement and how that, that created the healthcare consumer. So we were entrenched in hospital marketing at the time in marketing for HMOs in the burgeoning sort of managed care industry. And we were ourselves sort of enmeshed in, you know, what was it like to be a woman in business and to have your own business and be an entrepreneur. And it was a very exciting time to look at all of a sudden science was looking at radiation therapy as an alternative to mastectomy or women's health issues coming very much to the foreground where women were saying, how can we not be doing clinical trials um, that only have men's data and not women's data? And there was just a lot of um, synergies between sort of the industry as a whole, healthcare marketing, and the role that women could play because women ultimately and remain the chief decision makers in the healthcare decision. And that's just who we are. That's part of nurturing. That's part of genetics, um, orientation. Um, and so that's what was going on. It was really... Um, a sense of women empowering themselves for their families, but also within healthcare. And I think the, the last piece that I think is very important is that we started BBK after um, the Patient Bill of Rights uh, became, um, not after, but the Patient Bill of Rights had, had been introduced by um, Dr. Mitchell T. Rapkin at Boston's Beth Israel Hospital, where I worked um, as the Assistant Director of Public Affairs. And um, 
that then became law. And so there was just this real connection between our understanding of the rights of a patient. And we took that and really applied that in our understanding of how to recruit and engage patients in clinical trials. Thank you. Bonnie, did you want to add anything to that? When you think um, about the evolution of how or, and, and where you were at that time. Um, I, when you yeah. One of the other things that um, Joan and I and our early team were looking at was the construct of integrated marketing communications. Now you can get a degree in that field, but mm -hmm. back then it was it, it, it was anathema really to PR people and uh, advertising agencies, et cetera. But in healthcare, you really need to look at that patient as a whole and using all the communications tools that are available. So that was also part of our vision for how we would take these things that Joan talked about that drove us as people to start the company to also answer the question of how are we going to be communicating and how comprehensively and being able to pull from whatever approach. And that continues today, particularly as we look more and more at engagement or diversity or those aspects of not being stuck in one approach and being open to many ways of communicating and engaging with people. So um, how has decision-making changed and evolved within this industry? Well, I think when you look at um, what Bonnie was just talking about, which is how has the patient's voice become a part of how drugs are marketed, how uh, decisions are made between the doctor and the patient. We started BBK right at a time where the American Medical Association began to allow physicians to advertise, right? So the, the connection between individuals, patients, having the right to make choices, wanting to better understand versus saying, listen, smarter people than I are telling me what to do with my health. That, that partnership that I think women have always experienced with a pediatrician, right? The pediatrician is trained to respect what the mother has to say about their child, right? That they are because the child can't speak for themselves. But that, that started to translate into relationship building between patient and between physicians. So that, that immediately changes the trajectory of how do we get people to understand the value of clinical trials. We were asked by a major pharmaceutical company to um, recruit patients to a breast cancer trial. And at that point in time, children were more likely to participate in oncological clinical trials than women. And that's a crazy statistic. Wow. But when we did our analysis, what we found 
was that even though the doctors had decided that they wanted to be principal investigators, that they believed in the pursuit of this particular research, they were afraid to discuss with their patients a clinical trial option. So we looked at that and said, okay, your doctor's talking to you. They're knocking you down and you have to get back up. You have to get right back up. And we used the, um, the analogy to the growing sport of women boxers, right? Again, tying the consumer health movement to what was going on with the women's movement. Those are very, very, very closely aligned. And by just breaking down the barrier, um, meaning the patient would be in the waiting room and we have these wonderful, colorful images of, of female boxers. And if you're finding out that you have breast cancer, you're getting knocked down, you gotta get right back up. You gotta get right back up. And that broke down the barrier. So instead of the doctor being afraid to bring up the option of a clinical trial for fear, the patient would hear guinea pig, right? Um, and so the, the, the trial enrolled. They were having all sorts of problems and the drug itself became um, standard of care, still being used to this day. And the idea of boxing became um, the uh, creative that motivated the approved drugs uh, marketing construct. So it's, it's a very good example of how, how the, the dialogue between doctor and patient is often the key to opening up the notion of options. Wow. Um, I would, I would yeah. add to that when you're, you know, layering on top of what's happening between um, patients and doctors in that care setting where clinical R&D lives is what's happening from the scientific perspective inside those pharmaceutical and device industries. And at that same time, the focus there was on statistical analysis and how many different data points could we include in a study, whether all of them were necessary or not. So the idea of, well, what does this look like from the patient's perspective was not yet fully integrated into the mindset of the clinical operations and clinical study teams. So I think that also was part of what was behind physicians' concerns about raising these opportunities with patients was they knew that there was more than was necessary that was being asked of um, study participants at that time. So that's a whole nother area where the decision-making has evolved and changed and that whole discipline of evaluating a protocol from a patient's perspective. And, you know, initially having one patient represent all patients and give some feedback on a protocol has really evolved as well. Wow, wow. So uh, talk about evolving, right? So science has evolved so, so much. You think about personalized medicines and, you know, it's, it, you know how has that uh, changed 
the decision-making process responses when they think about their patient recruitment and engagement um, campaigns. One of the things I'd, I'd like to start with this is, you know, there, there, there's a mythology that patient recruitment has always been a problem and is never, you know, solved. And this, the, my issue with that is that the science has evolved so significantly and that we actually have addressed successfully what it takes to recruit for vaccine studies, what it takes to recruit for chronic illnesses. But as we moved into rare disease and now into even more personalized medicine, these are different problems that are being presented. And recruitment professionals are applying our expertise to these different problems. Um, so I think that, uh, Joni, I think you're, we'll talk about just the excitement and opportunity that there is in the changes in science and how that really has dri driven us for decades. I think something we strongly believe in is that the earlier market science comes together with research science, the greater is the likelihood that a study will enroll on time. And what we mean by that is, even if you look at the protocol, I mean, years ago, we would stand and look at the protocol and say, do they really need to have eight study visits in order for this to happen in such a compressed period of time? The protocol is the product. And you have to analyze that protocol against all the approved medications. For whom is this clinical trial truly a treatment option? For whom? Because they're out there. 60% of all people are not fully helped by the current drugs that are available. That idea of fully helped has changed dramatically. What does that mean? Tw 25 years ago, that meant that blood pressure medication gave you hives right? You couldn't take it. Fully help now is, mm, I feel a little nauseous when I'm on that medication, but when I take this medication, I don't feel like, so fully helped is already a changing evolutionary construct. Um, and I think that once people could understand that you're in the care business. The pharmaceutical companies were in the care business because they were hiring doctors to follow a protocol, which is medicine. That's medicine. Simple and true, regardless if it's in a clinical trial or outside of a clinical trial. So I think that these ideas that marketing is not helpful is unfortunate because marketing at its roots is an exchange. And for us to truly help people get better, there has to be an exchange. And I think that's something we've promoted throughout our, throughout our 40 years. You know, you have so much experience working with so many different communities and just building on what you were saying earlier, um, you know, you have the rare disease community. Um, you know, personalized medicines, um, you know, how have those conversations with these different communities driven what BBK has done to support, you know, the entire study community? 
you want to? Well, the, as you were saying that, Valerie, one thing that hit me was there's a whole nother community of, of players in healthcare and in clinical research. And that is the research sites and the research professionals. Yeah. And one of the things that we have been committed to for as long as we've been doing this, this work is what, it, what are the obstacles that live at the research site level? What are the challenges that the doctors and the nurses and sub-investigators, what are they struggling with? And in what ways can we help them, help to remove some of those obstacles for them? And that's a hand in glove between what does the patient need? And if we are able to take some of the administrative or other aspects of clinical trial operations off the sites so that they can spend more time with the thing that participants value the most, which is time with them and the information exchange and what they learn about their type of trial. Yeah. 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 Nice. Nice. Uh, And did you want to add to that? Well, we we did a will and why survey um, many years ago. And what we discovered in this first um, national and then international survey Uh, which we did with Harris International, um, was that 85% of people who had participated in clinical trials would do it again. And they cite the care they received as the reason why. So that got us really thinking about how interesting is it that when you're in a clinical trial, you have a certain value in the doctor's office that an insured patient or an uninsured patient may not benefit from because the PI has taken on the job of recruiting patients to this trial. And you're this rare commodity because it's so difficult, right? That's what everybody talks about, you know? So the value that the patient brings to the practice is changes, right? Because they're, they're the, they're the little pearl, you know, that took a while to, to, you know, you have to talk about an informed consent. You have to make sure that the patient, and what we came to understand is that patients perceived protocols, informed consents, when well done and not just here, go read it and see you tomorrow, but but that there was an interaction between the patient and the caregiver, that those were assets, not liabilities. We once did a trial and you had to have four endoscopies. And I'm looking at this trial and I'm just saying, dudes, we are not going to be able to recruit this thing. This is, uh, this is, this is, this will be the one. This will be the one. Well, it turned out we went with a a tagline, which was called get a gut check. And people were so worried about taking NSAIDs and what was happening to their bodies or was it because they love their NSAIDs, but they were so concerned 
about whether or not they would ha they were having negative results on their gastrointestinal system, that they actually saw the four endoscopies, which they didn't have to pay for, or worry about the insurance coverage, as a positive. That changed our brains forever, forever. Um, I still quote that one because I just, you know, so I I think that there's a benefit to being in a clinical trial. And now and evermore, it's we say to the patient, if you have a chronic condition or you've just been diagnosed, you need to understand what's currently available and what is what are people researching? Mm -hmm. What are they analyzing? Because it's just changing so quickly. A friend of mine started um, a, a uh, oncological drug three weeks after it it was approved by the FDA. Three weeks after. That's a clinical trial. That's not enough data. But yet he's alive today because of it. And we are all contributing to our scientific understanding and marketing and exchange and talking is a part of that. Um, so, so, you know, where do you see the industry heading? Well, what do you, because, you know, you, you, have, you have so much experience, um, you know, for these past 40 years, you've seen challenge after challenge, you've evolved with every challenge. Where, where do you, what's next? Where do you see this heading and, and how you're preparing for that? Prepared for that. Yeah. Well, I, I do think it's always been about and will be about the evolution of the science. Mm -hmm. And how do we blend what we know about patient perspectives, which is changing, and how to communicate pe with people, which is also changing. So what's media? And what's social media and what's acceptable now? And what conversations happen in a physician office? And what's the role of a, a nurse practitioner or a PA? And so you have to stay open to looking at changes in your marketing and communications disciplines, looking at changes in science and the evolution of that and looking at changes in the problems that people are living with, not just their medical problems, but the rest of the, the work. How, what impact does re clinical research have on their um, time away from work or their time, the challenges with childcare? And so we continue and will continue to look at, stay open to, and not be afraid to change, offer new things, try new things, perfect those new things whenever we can, and help to distribute those throughout the marketplace. I think, um, I don't know if you know it or not, but BBK is now a part of the Publicis Health Network. Um, Publicis Health has been dedicated to you know, marketing, um, for pharmaceutical medical device companies. And we made that decision because of what we saw as their innovative approach to integrating what 
the clinical trial expert knows and has experienced with the marketing of medications. So, you know, I don't believe that you can have horrible hay fever and allergies. And if you take an over-the-counter medication, you can sit in a field full of poppies and never sneeze. I don't believe that. I, I, I don't think that happens. And I think there's a, a way in which clinical trial marketing that's so guided by regulatory agencies, you can't make promises. You can only educate. You can talk about options. You can help people make decisions. That that kind of approach needs to be applied in how we communicate about available medications. Um, I think that through publicists, we want to try to bring the world. If you think about doing focus groups or getting, think about how much information we have over the years in how people approach Parkinson's disease. Just pick one, okay? How doctors feel about the different sciences that are associated with the trials that they're involved with. That is such valuable information to give to the whole marketing world. Um, and so I think for us, we believe that there'll be a merging. There'll be a sense of these two disciplines have similar yet different orientations and they can borrow from each other in order to better enable the consumer to make decisions. Don't forget our budgets are one-tenth of, not even, of 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 what of what you're talking about to market and approve medication, so we can do more. And I think Publicis believes that communication is medicine. And I think that was very compelling for Bonnie and I when we sold the company. Well, absolutely. I have to say thank you so much to both of you for you know walking me through the evolution of patient recruitment engagement and how you have embraced it uh, along the way and challenged how we can do a much better job and your contribution, your enormous contribution to this industry. And, you know, 40 years, I mean, well done. And congratulations as well on the relationship with uh, Publicis and your continued forward thinking um, for patient recruitment engagement. It's been a real pleasure speaking with both of you and thank you. Thank you, Valerie. Thanks very much, Val. Thank you.